Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike Stefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. Also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Hit me up on Twitter at McInnesWarCanuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing uh, to the podcast. Leave a review, leave a rating, all that good stuff uh, so we can get noticed a little bit by those who are searching for the, that next Leafs podcast that they want to listen to. And remember, this is a daily podcast, so come on and, and, and check each and every day for your new uh, for your new show. Uh, all right, so we've got a couple of things that we're going to talk about today. I'm going to keep this episode a little shorter than I usually do, though. A um, couple things on my plate. Uh, but we're, we're going to go over some NHL news and notes. Uh, some trophies have been announced and, and uh, some big announcements, actually, for the NHL offseason calendar has been announced. So when the draft and free agency are going to take place, uh, there's some news about Mike Babcock. So we're going to talk about that, and then uh, and then a little bit later we're going to discuss kind of what can the Leafs learn from the roster construction from the remaining teams in the playoffs. I'm not saying that the Leafs have to mimic what these guys are doing, but there are some patterns with the teams that remain in the playoffs, and I'm going to discuss what those patterns are uh, a little bit later. But let's get to the news and notes first, and let's talk about it. Uh, first and foremost, Bobby Ryan winning the Bill Masterton Trophy, um, you know, a trophy that's awarded to to somebody for for perseverance. And, um, you know, Bobby Ryan, if, if you don't know his story, battled with alcoholism quite a bit. And uh, back in November, he ended up deciding that he was going to step away from the game for a little bit to go seek help. So he went into the NHL um, you know, uh, Alcoholics An- Anonymous program, essentially, uh, what are they? Yeah, like Alcoholics Anonymous, essentially. Um, and ended up, you know, getting himself clean, getting himself getting himself healthy. Uh, so Bobby Ryan ended up winning. And, and the real cool story about Ryan is when he came back, it wasn't his first game, but it was his second game, but it happened to be his first home game since returning uh, from being... Um, away he scored a hat trick against the Vancouver Canucks and I remember this game vividly and and it was just amazing um I I was you know I got uh, a friend who works for the organization and I texted him right away and I was like man how about this Bobby Ryan you know story that's going on right now like what's what's the atmosphere like in the rink I was seriously curious he's like man not a dry eye in the place he said, couldn't have happened to a better guy. The team loves him, um, and they're so happy that he was able to get himself uh, back. Substance abuse program is, is what I was looking for, the substance abuse program, um, but worked his way back from the substance abuse program back onto the ice and for his first home game and second game since returning to have an impact like that, score himself a, a hat trick and en route to, to a big win over the Canucks. Uh, it was an amazing, amazing story. Um, went on to finish out the season, had a pretty good year, and Bobby Ryan now hoping to go into next season uh, be a better player. You know, this was somebody who went to Ottawa with the essentially was supposed to replace a Daniel Alfredson. Like, if you recall, the day Daniel Alfredson decided to leave to sign a one year deal to end his career in Detroit, the Senators thought to themselves, oh no, we need to get somebody to replace. Alfredson's offense, and they trade away uh, stuff to get Bobby Ryan. I think they may have also traded a first-round pick, but they want to get Bobby Ryan. And this is a guy who, you know, was really good in Anaheim, former 40-goal scorer, and for whatever reason, the game kind of sped up, and he couldn't quite 
get there. Um, coupled with you know his alcoholism, his game really, really took a nosedive. And then when he returned, to, to have that type of return, um, it was really, really good to see. And, and the perseverance that I'm sure he showed to to really battle his demons and get back out onto the ice to do what, what he's loved since he was a child is, is really the definition of perseverance. And no doubt, uh, no doubt about it, he deserves the Bill Masterton Trophy. Um, there was a lot of flack, though, about Oscar Lindblom and and that he didn't get it. And if you're not familiar with the Oscar Lindblom story, uh, he had bone cancer, a very rare form of bone cancer that he was diagnosed with earlier in the year as well. He was kind of having a breakout season with Philadelphia when he was announced to, that he was going to be out for quite some time until, you know, when he went to, to go battle cancer and, you know, this clearly, this was kind of a life and death type thing. So this was obviously a really scary situation for Clef or for for Lindblom, but he was able to able to uh, beat it, beat cancer, and then actually in game, I want to say it was game six and game seven, he came back for game six of the quarterfinals uh, in that game against the Islanders. Came back, played game six, and played game seven. Um, so that was that was a great story in it itself. And there was a lot of people giving the NHL flack that Bobby Ryan got the Bill Masterton and not Oscar Lindblom. But if I'm not mistaken, the trophy ballots were done uh, a while ago, right? They were done before this playoff started. So talking about Lindblom coming back to play, that hadn't happened yet. So you can't really put that into perspective when you're thinking about Bobby Ryan winning the trophy because, of course— Limblom, his story of, you know, persevering to fight and beat cancer, cancer, like that 100% deserves a, a Bill Masterton trophy. Nobody is saying that it doesn't. They both deserve one at the end of the day. And I said this, uh, I believe, on the Locked On NHL podcast when we talked about uh, me and, and and my co-host Joe DiBiase, we do every every Tuesday. We do uh, kind of an Eastern Conference roundup, and when they were discussing the nominees, we were talking about how Ryan and 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 Lindblom is another guy who I think could be nominated. Um, and I said I wasn't sure if Lindblom was going to win it. Is probably is going to be Bobby Ryan's. This was a couple months ago. Uh, this probably is going to be Bobby Ryan's trophy this year. But if Lindblom returns either through the playoffs or next season to play. No doubt about it, Oscar Lindblom is going to be your 2020-2021 Bill Masterton Trophy winner. You can already go ahead and inscribe it on the trophy. I guarantee it. So I don't. I didn't like to see people, you know, kind of downplaying what Bobby Ryan did because they deserved that Lindblom deserved the trophy over him. They both deserve one. And I think in, in next season, it'll be Lindblom's. Um, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about some other stuff. Uh, the NHL offseason schedule was released by the league today. Um, the NHL draft to take place October 6th and 7th, and free agency to take place on October 9th, which is the Friday of Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada. So that'll be fun. You know, you got you got the draft taking place earlier in the week, and then you got free agency that's taking place um, on the Friday, and then obviously you get, you know, the the it just kind of tumbles throughout the offseason, and you'll see trades and, and stuff happen throughout Thanksgiving weekend and, and free agency, more pickup signings, whatever. Um, that's going to be a fun little week. What's kind of odd, though, is that it's happening – on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Friday. 
right? Like usually the draft takes place on a weekend. So it'll take place on a Friday and then round like round one takes place on Friday, round two through seven on Saturday. And that's kind of the way that's been for, for a while now. And then free agencies a week after that, usually on, or well, it's on Canada day, I guess, which kind of feels like a weekend, I suppose, because everyone's got the day off and you can sit down, park yourself in front of the, in front of the uh, TV, toss on, you know, TSN trade center or uh, free agent frenzy. And there you go. Boom. You're watching it all day long. It's a lot of fun. I know I grew up doing that. And uh, now that I work at TSN, I'll get to kind of be part of the festivities, which is pretty cool. So I'll be hoping to get somebody on the show that day as well, um, just to kind of talk about, you know, what, what goes on on, on free agency, um, the NHL draft as well. I'll definitely be getting that content, start to get uh, ready and amped up for that stuff over the next couple of weeks. You know, we're now just a month away. Like, it's super quick, super quick. We are a month away from the draft and free agency. Um, So we're going to start talking, you know, draft prospects, talking what the league should be doing with that 15th pick, talking about some free agency, you know, know, our current RFAs and UFAs, what to do with them, uh, what other UFAs are in the league are we interested in? You know, Petrangelo is going to be a UFA. Chris Tanev right now is set to be a UFA. There's a whole bunch of guys who I think will be great players for the Maple Leafs that, that we should be kind of keeping an eye on. So I'll definitely be talking about that over the next little bit. But uh, it's good to see that the NHL finally has set dates for these big offseason um scheduling uh, so we got the draft october 6th and 7th the free agency on friday october 9th so just keep that in mind i'll definitely be talking about those things over the course of the next month uh okay let's take a quick break and when i come back mike babcock has himself in the news cycle once again i'll tell you all about that next all right, welcome back to the Lockdown Lease Podcast. Uh, my name is Mike DeStefano, your host of the show. Um, keep in mind, we do a show every single day, Monday to Friday. At least we try. We try to get you know Monday to Friday uh, every single day. All Leafs, all the time. And uh, former Leafs head coach Mike Babcock hasn't found himself a job in the NHL quite yet. However... There's starting to be some smoke here about Babcock and a team that has some interest in him, and that's the Washington Capitals. Yes, Babcock is starting to get some attention and could be en route to Washington. I'm 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 really reluctant to believe this report, but it really does have some legs, and it's got some pretty big people talking about it too, which makes me believe that there is some interest in Washington, um, and, and I would assume vice versa. You know, you look at what Babcock likes. He wants a veteran team. I don't think he meshed very well uh, here with, with some of the young personalities that were in Toronto, um, and, and for that reason, I think that's why kind of him and him and Austin Matthews never really meshed at all. Like, they were always kind of grinding at each other, um, and, and eventually Babcock found his way uh, out of Toronto. One-way ticket out of here. Boom. And he's been out of the league uh, for, for, well, I guess just a few months now, but for, for this season, didn't latch on anywhere else, which I kind of expected. I thought he would take some time off, kind of go into the wilderness, into the wild, in Saskatchewan, wherever he lives in that cabin, and uh, kind of just uh, get get re rejuvenated and maybe find a job in the next year or two. Well, it looks like he may because the Capitals, a veteran team, may be interested in Babcock services. What's interesting about this, though, is if you recall back when Washington won the Cup a couple of years ago, Barry Trotz was up for an extension. 
right? So they needed to extend their coach, Barry Trotz. Instead, they let him walk because they didn't want to pay him. And he went on to go, and and he's now the head coach of the New York Islanders. Yeah, the New York Islanders who lost to Varis and are right now currently battling in the Eastern Conference Final. So I would say that he was a pretty good coach. Like went from winning you the cup to bringing two years later, bringing this this Islanders team who, you know, perceived to be a, a bubble playoff team at that, um, you know, at the very most, I would say, and now has them into an Eastern Conference final. Pretty darn good coach, and, and they didn't want to pay him. Mike Babcock, for the longest time, he was the highest paid coach in the NHL. I would like to bet that Babcock has not brought his price tag down that much. But here's the thing. The Leafs have to actually pay a portion. So Babcock's guaranteed to make whatever uh, the Leafs have owed to him over the next couple of years, which I think is about $7 million over the next couple of seasons. Now, for that $7 million, I I believe whatever Washington offers to pay him, the Leafs have to pay the other half. So it's kind of up to Toronto if they're going to allow Washington to sign Babcock for less than that money. Because it, it, the Leafs could easily be like, no, we don't want him in the league. We we don't want him to be coaching in the same conference as us. Uh, he knows our tendencies, and, and they're a good team. We don't want to have to compete against him. If you want... To have Babcock as your coach, you're gonna have to pay the, you know, kind of take the whole ticket. And I doubt that Washington's gonna want to do that. But if they do, let's take a look at maybe the fit. So the one thing that's kind of interesting, so you look at Washington's top guy, you know, Alex Ovechkin. Early in his career, he was not known as a defensive player at all. You know, full offense, you know, all gas, no breaks. Uh, going out there, scoring 50 goals, and, you know, wouldn't back check, didn't play D. But then when he won a cup, it seemed like Trotz got him to buy in. And he kind of bought in defensively under Barry Trotz and took his game to a next level. Is that player still inside of Ovechkin? Because if it is, then I think that this could work with Babcock. But if it's not... And him and Babcock don't see eye to eye, and there's not much respect there. I don't see this working out very well. And it could very well turn into what happened here in Toronto when your team's best player and your coach aren't on the same page. It doesn't often turn out that well. It turns into a lot of toxicity in the dressing room. So that's the one thing that that I think is going to be interesting here. I think that if Babcock... And uh, and Ovechkin needs to get on the same page. And Ovechkin's going to have to give the final sign-off, in my opinion, in order for the Capitals to bring in Babs. But again, are they willing to spend the money? They didn't want to pay the coach that just won them a Stanley Cup. Are they going to be willing to pay Mike Babcock? I don't know. I don't know. But if you look at the roster over in in. Washington, very veteran-heavy. They're pretty balanced. They've got a good young goaltender, pretty good stud defenseman in John Carlson. You know, I like that team. If they can get the right coaching, I think this is another team that could compete for a Stanley Cup. 
And Mike Babcock could be that guy, which is why the Leafs could also just be like, I don't know about that. So that's going to be a storyline that you should probably uh, keep an eye on over the next little bit. We'll see what happens here. Babcock um, right now currently, I believe, actually is serving uh, an advisory role to uh, to an NCAA team. I believe it's the University of Vermont. So an advisor right now down there, uh, whether or not he even wants to step away um, and go back to the NHL so quickly, we don't know. I mean, you would you would assume so and you would think so, like, yeah, would you rather be an advisor to uh, the Vermont University of Vermont in the NCAA D1, or would you rather be the head coach of a cup-contending Washington Capitals team? Like, it's pretty simple, you would think, which one you're going to choose. But Babs isn't a simple guy, and he likes a challenge, and, and, and if he can build a, a NCAA program into a perennial contender, that may be interesting to him, too. You know, like, at this point, I don't think he's he needs the money. Like he's into into his what sixties and you know just you know just got himself paid fifty plus million dollars over the last little bit, so I don't think money's really a driving factor for him like he, like most coaches or or like it was in the past. But at the same time, a Stanley Cup could be in his grasps if he goes to Washington. So we'll see what happens there. Again, a storyline. To, uh, to to keep an eye on over the next little bit. All right, we'll take another quick break here. Uh, but before we do, let me tell you about today's show sponsor, and that's Rock Auto. Uh, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from edge control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for a classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, price at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for the professionals as the do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same price? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts a car will ever need right locked on on their How'd You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts a car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Okay, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Let's bring this thing home. Okay, so like I said earlier, um, let's take a look at what's the roster construction like of the remaining four teams and what can the Leafs learn from them. And I think that there's three key concepts right now. Um, maybe a fourth. I, I'll have an honorable mention here as well. But three key con- three key um, things that these all of these teams have in common. And here's number one, a balanced lineup. Look up and down Vegas, Dallas, New York, and Tampa. They all have a great balance to them. And I don't mean balance as in, you know, they have four good lines, although that's another one. I mean balance as in they got guys with size, got guys with skill, and got guys with speed. They can do it all. They're balanced, and they've got it all throughout their lineup, up and down, from first down to fourth, from first pairing to third pairing. So they can throw out anybody at any time and match up efficiently against the opposing team. And that's how they ended up here in the conference final. And that's something that you look at all four teams. They all have it. Does Toronto have that? I think we all know the answer is no. 
Do they have skill? Plenty of it. Do they have speed? Yup. Size. Lacking. Lacking big time. And I don't see Kyle Clifford getting brought back. And that was one of the sandpaper guys that you went out and uh, the Leafs acquired this off or this uh, trade deadline to try and give them a little bit of that size. He's not going to be there. We're not completely sure if Pierre Engvall is going to be on this roster come opening night next year. He was somebody who was, you know, 6'4", 210 pounds. Freddie the Goat, pretty big guy. Didn't play as didn't play as big as as you would like him to, but he's a big size, uh, a big body out there on the ice. They didn't really have much on the back end either in terms of size. So, like outside of Jake Muzzin, that is. Um, so that's that's where the Leafs lack that they, I think they can learn and look and and take a peek around the league at the teams remaining and say, okay, what do they have that we don't? Why are they? This far into the playoffs, and we're at home watching on TV. What is the missing ingredient on our team? And I think one of those is size. Because in order to have a balanced lineup of speed, skill, and size, got to have all three. The three S's, I think, are very important to, uh, to building a championship team. And the least are lacking the size. Number two, depth throughout the lineup. Look at all of these teams. They run pretty much four lines deep. They're all super competitive, and you can send out anyone at any time. Even look at the Islanders, who I wasn't so... I've always been skeptical on them for, for literally like two years now. Since Tavares left, I was like, this isn't a playoff team. And here they are. They consistently, you know, throw dirt in my face and, and, and just win games, and that's all they've done. And now they're sitting there in the Eastern Conference Final. And, and I look, and I'm like, well, who, who's bringing them there? And the, and the answer is Everybody. It's a full team effort. They don't have one guy. They don't have a Marner or a Tavares or a Matthews. They've just got a whole roster full of pretty good dudes like Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Matt Barzell. Matt Martin has four goals here in the playoffs. Matt Martin. We traded Martin to them pretty much as a cap dump for a goaltender who played a handful of games in uh in the East Coast League. Like, a, and he's gone out, scored four goals, been pretty impactful defensively, laid the body a couple times. Maybe he's even dropped the mitts, and I can't remember, but I wouldn't be surprised because that's kind of what he does. Right? So that's that's what you're getting out of your fourth line. Casey Sezika is another guy out there who's... who's um, Contributing on the fourth line, Cal Clutterbuck, right? So even the team that you look at and you say they're not really a good team, they they don't have much depth, they don't have any firepower, but they do have the depth, and that's what you see happening with all these teams, right? Look at Dallas, Radic Faxa, fourth line center. He's a pretty good player. You can play him at any point in the game and feel pretty good about it. Who they just had that. Uh, uh, Yoel Kivaranta guy, literally, in, like a, 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 I think he was an undrafted free agent who they ended up signing and and brought into the bubble, which nobody even knew who he was at the time. And uh, a late minute scratch to Andrew Cogliano, you shove Kivaranta into the lineup, and this guy goes out and scores you a hat trick in a game seven to propel your team to the Cup final, conference final. Sorry, 
right? That's the type of depth that I'm talking about. Guys in the bottom six who can contribute. You didn't see that happen at all, at all in the playoffs this year for the Maple Leafs. You may have seen them scoring a little bit, maybe like the third line doing some scoring in uh, in the in the regular season. Like I think Kerfoot uh, played all right. Um, you know, Kapanen did his job, but then the playoffs came and they kind of went silent. That whole bottom six silent, and that can't happen. Uh, and apparently, is not the recipe for success because that recipe includes teams that can go four lines deep. You know, the the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, in my opinion, are one of the deepest teams since the, the 0-2 Red Wings, they've got guys like Barkley Goudreau, who they gave up draft pick, a first-round draft pick for. Same with Blake Coleman. Gave up first-round picks for these guys playing in their bottom six because they needed, A, they needed the, the grit that they possess, and they wanted to round out their roster and make sure that they had four full lines that they could go out and run at any time and feel comfortable about it. And that's what they've done. And it's worked. I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win the Cup. I think it's going to be a Tampa-Vegas final because those two teams have both of these two things. they got probably the most balanced and deepest lineups in the NHL. Certainly most balanced and deepest that are left in the uh, in the playoffs. This third one is one that Tampa hasn't used, but the other three teams have, and that's depth at the goaltending position. I'm not talking about, you know, having just one backup, but even for Dallas's case, where they've had to have a couple. Um, but you need to have a two-goalie system, a platoon. I think I think we're getting to a point in the NHL where a platoon system is going to be a lot more accepted around the league, and we're going to see this more often. Right? Look at Vegas, Flurry, Leonard. They've gone back and forth with both of them. Look at the Islanders, Grice, Varlamov. They've gone back and forth. Uh, Dallas... Technically, Hudobin's been their guy all through well, but that's because they're, you know Ben Bishop is injured. But that's because you know the only reason why you have Hudobin is because you needed a second goalie that you relied on. So they went out and got him behind Bishop, who was a Vesna caliber goaltender. And now you look at your, your second goalie, who has given them good enough goaltending to get them through to the conference final. Right, So a two-goalie system, a platoon system, I think is becoming important in the NHL. I talked about it a lot last week. I think Freddie Anderson's days are, are numbered here in Toronto, and I think that Jack Campbell plus another goalie as a tandem is the route that the Leafs want to go. I think it'll be cheapest to do that, and I think it'll also keep them fresh. And this seems like one of the things that, that is, is really pertinent when you're looking at roster construction. Tampa's an anomaly here between the four teams, obviously, but they've got uh, Andre Vasilevsky, who is one of a handful of goalies, I think, around the league who can handle a number one load on a year-to-year basis and be successful. Right? Like, I think there's maybe five or six goalies around the league. That's it, to be honest with you, who can handle playing 60 games and a full playoff slate and be fine. 
So we'll see what the Leafs end up doing. I think those three things, a balanced lineup, depth throughout the lineup, so if they can roll four lines deep, and a platoon goalie system, I think are things that, that, that I'm learning about the roster construction from the teams that are remaining in the playoffs right now battling for a cup. I think those are three things that the Leafs can kind of look at and say, okay, how can we maybe address some of these needs to better our team going forward? Because apparently this is what the successful teams look like in terms of roster construction. So we'll see what happens. Like I said, uh, the draft on uh, October 6th to 7th, but probably more importantly for the Leafs, free agency on October 9th. That'll be an opportunity for them to address the balance and the depth and the two-goalie platoon system uh, with this team. So October 9th is going to be a big day. It's going to be a big offseason for the Leafs because I think that next year uh, there's going to be quite high expectations on this team and a first-round elimination uh, is not going to cut it. And in order to make sure that doesn't happen, I think they got to do some do some heavy lifting this offseason and uh, address some of those needs and some of those uh, those three pillars that I discussed uh, about roster construction to be a successful team. All right, uh, we'll leave it right there. That's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck uh, or follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. If you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest around the league. Uh, I'll be back with another episode for you tomorrow but until then keep it locked right here on locked on leafs